0: adult film stars, and sportsman drag racing. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Big Jed, Jared Pennington. Big Jed, what is new in Alabama? Uh, Bogak,
1: not a whole lot. You know, we're actually starting to loosen things up around here and get ready for the racing season. Um, you know, we're working on race cars and motivations kicking in, so trying to get ready for the season to get started here in you know, six weeks or so, so um, about probably two months behind on where I should be on that. So uh, that's uh, that's causing a little bit more work than I want right now. But it's nobody's fault but my own. Nobody to blame but me, as the song says.
0: What is the target event to kick things off for twenty twenty three?
1: That's a great question. Uh, we'll we'll begin uh, hopefully with a little bit of testing in late February and. Our first event could be as crazy as it sounds to make this your first event of the year, the Footbrake 150 at Gulfport. Uh, we are entered in that one and uh, JJ and I both are going there and competing. So we'll see, uh, maybe we can catch a race prior to that, but uh, honestly, not sure how ready we'll be.
0: Well, if if it's any consolation, I don't care where you go February, March. I think that's half the field, maybe more. <laughs> yeah. Just struggling yeah, to get you
1: might there. Be right. Right. You might be right. But unfortunately, the the better racers are prepared. They always get prepared. And that's that's going to be trouble for me because the better racers are the ones I need to not be prepared.
0: Is that really the case? Or are the better racers just more comfortable coming in unprepared?
1: Uh, That's a wonderful question. I wish I knew the answer to that because I'm not one of the better racers, so I'm not real (laughs) sure how they think, (laughs) but the more gooder racers are hard to beat. I do know
0: that either way. More gooder. Speaking of more gooder, we do want to give a warm welcome to those of you watching live on Facebook. I think we've done this enough now to say that this will be a recurring thing tuesday nights six o'clock central time it's it seems to be sticking so uh, obviously the i think the majority of you are probably accessing this as the podcast dropping every friday just like you're used to but uh, if you want to to jump in join us live we'd, we'd get a little bit of interaction going on some some at times you can dictate what is actually uh, going on on the show and we have a little bit of fun together so join us on the sportsman drag racing uh facebook page on tuesday nights at six central we've got a great show on tap today big Jet. um i think there's a chance i'm not sure it's a certainty yet but we can discuss i think there's a chance that nhra super stock racing is about to get really sloppy that's going to be fun to watch uh, a few changes in the nhra points program We'll discuss the, the fall fling as they begin to to further fill out their forty eight car all star field and um, take a, a kind of a broad lens look at big buck bracket racing in twenty twenty three. All that on tap, big Jed. But first, BJ North. Been a while since we did that. I'll let Mark do a little bit of editing there because we still yeah. haven't figured out how to play that live for our live viewers. You get to watch, you know, the show in in real progress.
1: <laughs> yeah, our progress is a word we use loosely.
0: <laughs> good point. Good point. Let's start with the NHRA, Big Jed. Some some pretty significant changes, at least potentially. In stock and super stock specifically, and and I I guess this could filter into bracket racing on some level. I don't know. I don't really foresee that. But the in the stock super stock classes, essentially, blinders have been eliminated, prohibited. Perhaps I'll, I'll read the actual rule book um, note uh, verbatim, and then we can kind of go from there. So, in essence, there's there's some wording around this, but the gist of it is. Temporary or permanent shielding that obstructs the driver's vision, vision, e.g., blinders, staging aids, is prohibited. Unaltered OEM sun visor, obviously, still permitted in the stock and super stock classes. Now, why is this a a big deal? Um, I don't I don't know exactly how to break this down, Jed. You might you might have as as good of of indication of this as I do. I don't think it's hyperbole to say that. Half the racers in the super stock class currently block. And when I say block, I mean block the top two bulbs on the tree to essentially make the full tree a pro tree. Um, Is that too big a number, Jed? Is is half sound about right?
1: No, I would think it's at least half, Luke. Um, But it's probably more so. um, The numbers are probably more so anybody under the age of 50 is blocking and over the age of 50 they did it so long the other way they just don't even know they should block
0: (laughs) i don't know that that's accurate i think there's still i think there's some young guys that kind of pride themselves on watching it all come down
1: yeah there's some talented people out there that can do it without blocking for sure Uh, but i I would say your original number of half is probably pretty accurate
0: yeah it sounds about right and you can we've laughed about this in the past big jed like if you're just watching in a vacuum say on drag race central you pull up around and it's pretty obvious that it was at dark because Superstock just falls apart right the the lights go from sub 30 every pair to 200 minus 150 right Be- and the the struggle becomes blocking at night and it and it it illustrates how Maybe how much of a crutch it is for some of these racers, how unwilling they are to pull it down, even when they know they got to pull it down and watch the tree come down. Right. It, predominantly yes. NHRA competition is held during the day, which makes blocking uh, a reasonable option. Now, apparently, uh, this is going to be prohibited. There's some speculation as to how this will be enforced, and and right, frankly, you know we're racers, so we kind of make a living out of skirting the rules. Right. That's that's, that's a part of racing. Are there ways around this? Perhaps, um, racers can be pretty creative, but it does feel at least initially big Jed, like NHRA is taking a, a proactive stance to preventing blocking. Like, I think the first thought from most of us, when we saw the initial ruling is okay, well, you can't hang anything in front of you. You can't hang anything off the roll bar or, or, or windshield, but they can't stop you from, from blocking off your helmet. Right. Well, apparently they can. Uh, If you read further in the rule (laughs) book, NHRA specifies uh, taping or similar modifications to the helmet shield that reduces the driver's field of vision, also prohibited. Uh, Modifications to the helmet shield that reduce the driver's field of vision, also prohibited. So again, I don't know that they can necessarily proactively rule against every potential way of going about this, but it, it seems like they're trying to check the boxes. And just to clarify their reasoning, NHRA released a, a follow up statement uh, after the, the rule book had come out and, and after there began to, to be some buzz about this specifically in the stock superstock community. And that um, clarification reads that, quote, the purpose of the rule change was due to incidents that have occurred in the pits to reduce these incidents and concerns. We were asked to prohibit the use of blinders in classes where we have experienced incidents in the pits due to the use of blinders. Discovery of blinders/slash staging aids could cause for disqualification of run, regardless of whether infraction occurs during qualifying or eliminations. Obviously, with the caveat at the sole and absolute discretion of NHRA. So, Big Jet, it, it, the, the talk is pretty strong. They're, they are cracking down on this, and, and I guess with due reason, you know, I mean, you don't want everything typed up where you can't see driving through the pits. Um, And and the easiest way for them to police that is to, I guess, say there's no blinders whatsoever. Um, I guess thoughts on the rule in general, can it be enforced? Will it be enforced? Uh,
1: First thought on the rule is I hate it. Um, I'm a, I'm a blocker. I've had every type of blinder and blocker and everything that, you know, clips on the roll cage suction cups to the window um you know I, back in the day I would hold up whatever by hand that I could to block the other side way back 15 plus years ago I mean I even used a uh, an atlas a road atlas one time thats it's all I had in the car I was driving I was like crap I forgot my blinder but there's a road atlas let me get that
0: I've used a log book yeah <laughs>
1: yeah so uh, I am I'm a big, uh, fan of being able to, to do whatever it takes to block the other side of the tree.
0: Yeah. And I, I guess it's worth clarifying, like you're not blocking in the typical super stock sense in that exactly. you're not blocking the yeah. top two, you're just blocking the other side of the tree.
1: Right. So for, for the, for the people that aren't educated in the world of blocking, basically when you have the aid of a trans break button, you block the top two bulbs because you can chip it up to the point where you can let the third come on as a surprise and leave and hit the tree if you're foot breaking that is not an option blocking the top two you got to be one of the quickest reactors on earth to to do that foot breaking i'm sure there are people out there that can do it but typically the foot breakers are going to Block completely block the other side of the tree, and and watch their tree only come down and and get the two bulb warning. Um, so, trans breakers, i.e., super stock racers, are going to block two. Uh, stock those people are are still swapping feet, so to speak. So most of them are going to want to see their full side, but there might be some of them out there that can leave off of the third um you know after blocking the top two but nonetheless i've been a guy that foot braked obviously so i blocked the complete other side and just a big fan of it big fan of of the method big fan of the the consistency that it creates uh i do it in time trials i do it in eliminations and every time my tree falls it looks exactly the same whether it's you know whether i'm getting a three second head start or i got a three second uh, weight, so I just I like that, and I like the ability to do it. Um, I understand that it can get out of control. I have seen it out of control with permanent blocks blocking on the windshield for both lanes. Some people just leave up everything for for either lane, get in the right or the left, and, and their blocking aid is is still in place and. I can see how to me going down the track, I've always liked mine removable from my view once I take off. Uh, going down the track, I could see where it could hinder some of your, your view to what's happening on the racetrack and could block something that happens in front of you that's you know, important for you to know. But you know, I would much rather see this rule really attack what is really a problem as opposed to just paint a broad brush over every blocking aid available and say we're just going to eliminate every bit of it. You can have a you can have a sun visor that came in your car, and maybe your roll cage is set up where you can tuck behind it. There's, I mean, guys are going to figure something out. You know, they they might wear some goofy glasses in the car. Or, you know, there somebody's going to try something. But I think. This is going to cause people to try to reinvent the wheel and maybe create a more dangerous situation than what they are trying to eliminate here. So just not a fan of it at all. Luke, Um, uh, Can it be policed? Absolutely. You know, without tech in its traditional form at all of these races, you know, you you might catch it two or three rounds in and now you've had two people eliminated. Two or three people in or whatever, and there's going to be points implications. So I think they're creating a bigger problem for themselves than they currently have with it in its in its form today or as of a couple of days ago.
0: I largely agree with you in terms of this is going to be. This sounds cut and dry. Like it should be easy to police. It's not going to be there. There's, there's going to be ways around this. It's, it's going to get very, very gray. I will push back Jed. like in a broad sense, I'm a fan of the idea of the rule, right? Like I like, I like things because in this day and age, it's really rare that we do anything to bring the driver more into it right that to to encourage like greater focus everything that we've done has been an aid to make our jobs easier this makes it a little bit tougher right and to your point on blocking the other side of the tree let's just keep in mind that at, at national events like there is a pretty solid blinder in place like you can't see much of anything on the other side of the tree it's unlike what we're used to bracket racing where the tree is just completely open um so there's not a ton of distraction in what's going on in the other lane. So they think there's less need to block the other side. Uh, and I think mainly I, whether or not the purpose from NHRA is to target racers that do block the top two, I think that that's ultimately what this will impact. And I'll just say this, it's rare. I, I agree with you. I think you're targeting and trying to, to eliminate or minimize incidents that are probably pretty rare. But I will say this, like one thing that I've seen with my own eyes was just this bizarre scene. And I think I've shared this at some point on the, on the show, but this was over a decade ago. It was actually at an IHRA points meet, but there was a, a driver in a superstock car. And I'll, I'll leave the, the name out of this because it's irrelevant. I believe on a by run, if I'm not mistaken, let's say three cars left in the race staged. And he had a pretty elaborate blinder setup, which a lot of these guys do. And he kind of tucked in under the blinder. And when you tuck in under the blinder, like you can't see anything, right? Everything's blocked out except for the bottom bulb. And so he staged, set the trans brake button, tucked under the blinder, went to the chip. And at some point in that process, he was staged very shallow and and actually backed out. And I don't know. I don't think that the tree went red. I think they were waiting on him to restage. But he was literally on the chip waiting for the tree to come down because in his mind, he staged for... 15 seconds. And the starter has no idea what to do. Like there's no way to get that driver's attention without walking in front of them, which is not what you want to do. Right. Um, So I I do feel like from that vantage point, there is some safety concern and, and they cited more driving through the pits. I do. I just, I like the idea of eliminating aids and making it to where everybody has to watch the tree come down in theory, in practice, I tend to agree with you, Jed, the actual implementation of this rule is going to be potentially could be very sticky. And I'll go back to what you had said. Tech at NHRA races is is not what it used to be. Those, those of you that that run on the Lucas Oil Series can attest to this. There are spot checks at best. Like we don't really have tech at races anymore. That kind of disappeared with COVID. It's more or less the honor system. It feels more like going to a big dollar bracket race, like drop your tech card in a bucket. I mean, you, there is an element of big brothers over your shoulder. And occasionally they'll spot check for seatbelt dates and, and helmets being in date and things of that nature. But, uh, and occasionally, you know, for um, um, AIDS, you know, they'll, they'll plug into um, great MSDs and things of that nature, but those are pretty rare. Um, now this, in theory, the starter can police this, right? Like in a lot of cases, your typical binder is relatively obvious. Um, but if you just zoom out from this, Jed, there's a lot of rules in the NHRA rule book that are enforced inconsistently. Maybe would be a a, a good way to put it. Um, and and there's not not a ton of tech. Like the the one example that comes to mind, and this is a rule that's not on the books anymore. I actually looked um, because it it was on the books up to I don't know the date within the last decade, certainly, maybe maybe a little bit more recently than that. But if you'll remember, there was a time when the muffler rule in the superclasses was a thing. Like You had to have mufflers to run 890, 990, 1090. And that was enforced for a year or two. And then it was on the books for another five to 10 years. And nobody abided by it. And nobody said anything. And eventually, it just got taken off the books. And to that point, There has been a rule I I would have to go back and really do some research, but NHRA has made a push against blinders before. And I think realized this isn't enforceable. We can't control this. And it just kind of faded away. This may go that same direction ultimately, but it does feel like there is a a surge uh, from NHRA to, to not only make this rule, but at least in theory to enforce it. So we'll see where it leads.
1: Yeah, Luke, all really good points. And, um, you know, who's going to police it? The racers are going to police it. <laughs> I mean, I assure yeah. you, if somebody's doing something they shouldn't do based on the rule book, the racers are going to let officials know. So um, we know that that uh, anyone that abuses this rule is going to get called out at some point. Um, I'm I'm happy to be watching online here and You know some good comments are coming in, and Jerry Emmons making a really good comment. You know, basically saying why not allow or 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 make it where the racer cannot have the blinder set up until they're at the ready line, and then when they cross the scales, they have to remove it. Basically, because they're saying incidents are in the pits and it's causing it. So, wow! I mean, how simple is that? Jerry Emmons got the the best point of all and a very simple solution it seems like people would not abuse that you got to cross the scales but you know I guess the question is if the winner crosses the scales first and the other guy's waiting and then he didn't have to cross the scales does he pull his blinder and does he or does he leave it up and run over somebody or whatever in the pit so I guess there's always ways that 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 could fail that system could fail but Luke, I guess the whole point I'm trying to make is it just seems easier to fix than two pages of verbiage <laughs> about why you can't do it and what you can't do. Uh, but, you know, again, it's NHRA and they have a monumental challenge in how they communicate a rule change and how they enforce a rule change. I get that. Uh, I get how challenging it is. And sometimes you got to. You've got to make it a very hard, firm message to enforce a rule change, but this just seemed a lot easier to fix.
0: Yeah, no, and just in my personal experience, I know I can't speak for every driver out there, but. Um, I also bracket racing block the other side of the tree, And, like you, like I can't stand that thing being in my way once I leave the starting line. like it it it's it's all got to come down immediately and and I think that's the case for most. I know there are some elaborate setups that probably do impede some downtrack vision and and then pit vision, but you'd think that there would, might be a better way to sing, single those out. one other one other element that you brought to attention, Jed, and there's no verbiage in the rule book against blocking. With something handheld, and in stock, like that's certainly an option. That's something that we've both done. Just visually hold up a blinder. In fact, I've in the couple of times that I've foot break at a dragster. Like I, I went complete Happy hairy on them and just held up my hand. The that that's just for the Facebook viewer. I have done that. I don't think they they. I mean, it, if if you have to wear arm restraints, like if you can't, that's as far as you can reach. Like they can't stop you from holding your hand up, right? It would be interesting to see someone try that in Superstock, because I don't know about you, Big Jed, like when I've got to let go of a button, the the whole no hands on a steering wheel thing, that that trips me out a little bit, much less in a Superstocker where you're going to do a wheelie. But, you know, I don't think they could stop you from doing that. Is it more more dangerous, Big Jed, to leave the starting line in my wheel standing Superstock car with no hands on the wheel or to have a blinder in my way? That is the question.
1: Well, if the if the front tires are in the air, your hands on the wheel are irrelevant at that point. It just you feels like you really got don't matter no until it lands. <laughs> it
0: just it feels like you're doing something, right?
1: But that's uh, you know it's it's interesting. You talk about holding something up. Um, obviously, there was a time in my life when I felt like one of the better foot racers in the country, and my my partner in Coburg Racing Promotion, Steve Stites. Our first interaction with one another was an email. That he sent me in maybe 2003 and the email basically said, hey, some people have said that that you're cheating and you're, you know, using a trans break or whatever he said.
0: You had the photo and, cell and, you in know, the binder." Yeah, I'd
1: really like to know, like, what do you, well, how you respond to that? And uh, what was happening was I was holding it up and I was, I didn't give it the, I didn't throw it. I actually would switch hands with it, grab the wheel and lay it in the, you know, lay it in the passenger seat because I've always had a passenger seat and whatever I'm racing. So the racers would see me leave and then my hand would move rather quickly and they thought, I don't know what he's doing, but he's using some kind of illegal device, but that wasn't the case whatsoever. So
0: I've done it every way you
1: can do it and I'm a fan of it.
0: You cheating SOV. <laughs> Son of a gun. There was there was one comment. We'll move on. I I got I went down the rabbit hole of reading one of the the social media threads on this and, and all of the, the racer responses to it. And um, the one argument that I saw that is completely nonsensical, but I had to address there was someone that made the argument of going, well, that's just what we need. Like we get we have a hard enough time bringing fresh blood into the, the class racing scene anyway. Let's just eliminate all bracket racers from it because bracket racers come in and want to block the top two. Jed, do you know any bracket racers that block the top two balls? <laughs> Zero. You know why they're this big Jed? Because what time of day does bracket racing usually happen?
1: Yes, midnight. <laughs>
0: <laughs> night time. And blocking at night is, is an issue, right? So to 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 that knucklehead with who has obviously never spent much of any time bracket racing the the inability to block is not what keeps racers out of stock and bracket everyday grassroots bracket racers that's not what keeps us out of stock and super stock what keeps the the grassroots bracket racer out of stock and super stock big kid uh how
1: much money they're paying or not money
0: (laughs) duh, right
1: uh, and and what it cost obviously i mean <laughs> you know I, I guess risk versus reward is is a better way to put it
0: all right one other notable um, change from nhra and and i don't i've seen some buzz around this i don't think this is going to be a significant factor but for the first time in probably two decades NHRA has adopted for the the Lucas Oil Sportsman classes um, an an ability or an option to waive points earning events, to to compete in an event without it counting towards your points total. And they're very, very um, structured as to how you can go about this. You basically have to make the decision that you are not going to earn points at this event prior to any car going down the racetrack in qualifying, right? So it's got to be like the instant that you roll through the gate that you make this determination. Um, this was actually implemented, uh, and I guess a trial basis, Jed, in alcohol categories last year. And I could be mistaken, but I believe that Doug Gordon, our, our ultimately our alcohol funny car world champion, took ad- advantage, if you will, or actually utilized this. Um, if you remember, Doug had a, a nasty crash in Brainerd last year built a whole new car from the ground up. And if I'm not mistaken, the first race or two that he attended, he waived just to kind of use them as as testing. And then once he got comfortable with the combination, began earning points again, and ultimately won the championship. That now, obviously that trial went well. It's been adopted in every NHRA sportsman category. Um, what does that mean? I think we can be fairly brief here, Judd. I don't think it means much of anything. It means that I could attend an event And again, before anyone goes down the track, I can decide, hey, I don't I'm going to race here, but I'm not going to earn points here. Um, And for some racers in some classes, let's say a a top dragster, a top sportsman car with a new combination coming into the year, perhaps even stock and super stock. If you wanted a race to kind of work the bugs out, make sure that you're competitive um, prior to actually earning points and you had the opportunity to go to multiple events, then this could make sense. You'd waive a race. Knowing me. I would waive a race that I would eventually go deep at and, and then hate myself afterwards. Right. Cause you have to make that decision beforehand, but I could see it being used there outside of that. I, it's hard for me to envision a scenario in which this is even going to be put into place. And, and, and certainly not often. I think, I think I speak for most sportsman racers when I say that we're struggling to make six national events and eight divisionals to begin with, would never really intentionally attend unnecessary races, much less pick and choose beforehand. Um, the potential, I tried to think through this and think, okay, how could this actually impact the championship? Um, I guess the potential exception, and, and this would be even, this would be tricky because you've got to make the decision before the first, first pair goes down the track in qualifying. But if you show up and and realize like, and there's nobody here and it's a short round race and let's say it's late in the season and you really need a, a uh, 105 point win, which would come from, you know, a six or seven or own race. And it looks like it's going to be four, maybe five. Then you could just wave the race. You could still compete and, and and just not earn points and then go somewhere else. In the past, you would have had to load up and go home, right? Before you ever made a run, basically withdraw from the event. So at least now you could stay and race and then pick up another event. And I guess there's, there's a possibility. Let me just lay out this scenario because I was trying to, again, just dream through how could this have an impact? Let's say that I have two divisional events left to claim and for, to, to really make a dent at a division championship, I need one of those to be a a home division event, right? And let's say there's two home division races still remaining on the schedule that I'm going to make at season ends, season's end. But between now and then my closest pursuer in national points, my closest pursuers, will be at these other events that are outside my division. In the past, I wouldn't go to those races because I had to save my last two claims for my home division events, right? Now, in theory, I could go to those races, wave the race, and just headhunt. Like I could just chase around the, the two competitors that are chasing me and nothing really, uh, there's, there's l- more to gain and very, very little to lose on my end. And then I come back and at my home division races actually claim the points for me in theory i don't know that i i like that right i can i can go and impede someone's ability to catch me and and not really have any stake in the game but if i step back just a little bit that's really no different from the current structure as it is now i could go make my full allotment of races early and then go chase everybody all across the country and try to keep them from winning later so it just kind of flip flops the scenario like again i just this is interesting talk but I don't know that it really impacts anything, at least in the core sportsman categories that we typically talk about.
1: Yeah, Luke, you, you obviously know way more about the scenarios and how they play out in that world than I do. But in my head, I was thinking, you know, let's say a racer is is needing to improve on a, a, a fourth round. You know, maybe it's been a, a good year and he needs to improve on a fourth round, he or she. And you get to the race, and in your category, you go, "Oh crap! Uh, Bogacki's here, Labouche's here, uh, you know, Eisenhower's here, and the list goes on. Adcock and whomever else." And, and you go, "This one's going to be a tough one to improve on that fourth round." So I think I'll, I've got races left. There's more that I can get to on the schedule. Maybe I'll just, uh, maybe I'll just be a headhunter today, and and I will waive this one. Uh, for for points purposes again i don't really i don't really know if that's a, a a real scenario that could play out but i also think about i don't know the rules on let's say i you know break a camshaft or hurt a lifter when i unload it in the warm-up i've already paid for the event i'm there i think that i mean my entry fee counts right there right it's it's i don't i don't get an opportunity i I can't make that up somewhere, can I? I mean, basically I'm done.
0: I I don't want to misspeak here, Jed, but I believe you can withdraw from any event prior to making a run down the track and it wouldn't count against you. Okay. I believe that's, that has been in place and would continue to be in place. Okay.
1: So in my head, if you had some bad fortune, I thought maybe that could work to your advantage and, you know, maybe Maybe I run E stock automatic and I show up somewhere and the, the four baddest dudes or dudettes in E stock automatic are there and they're better at the ladder game than I am. And you know, this is just really not one that I want to take my chances with, uh, and because everyone is half a second or more faster than me. So I guess there's scenarios where this could be advantageous, but it does seem like a very small percentage of, of the races that, that you had, would attend in the year that, you know, you could have any kind of gain from this rule. So not real sure what the intent was, but somebody will find it advantageous at some point. But I think if it had been left alone, it would have been just fine as well.
0: Yeah, I tend to agree. And I think there are potential scenarios, um, in what you just laid out, Chad, you'd really, that's possible that you'd really have to be Johnny on the spot. I mean, you got to make that decision before any car goes down a track. It's not like you can look at the first qualifying session and be like, Ooh, can't run really E. You know what I, because I saw some, some people on the threads, like, Oh, if you don't like the, the ladder, the way that it shook out, just, just, um, wave the race. Now that's not the way it works, right? You, you got to make that decision before anybody goes down a racetrack. So like I say, I, I think it's, A little bit of much ado about nothing, like my takeaway from this is let's set the over-under at a dozen single events get waived from the classes that we normally count on, that we normally focus on, Big Jed, from comp through super street. Set the over-under at a dozen individual events get waived in 2023. You take the over or the under?
1: Oh, all those classes, all those races. I'm going to take the over but I think I take it simply because I'm not sure people really know how to use this rule just yet. And I think it'll probably get overused um, just for Mm -hmm. lack of understanding.
0: I'll take the under. I just, maybe I've got a, a jaded or simplistic view of this. Like if I put forth the effort to load my junk up and leave the driveway and go to some race, especially an NHRA division race, I mean, they're not exactly the the key profit builder for your racing operation. I'm not signing up to go to 10 of those when I only got to go to eight. Like just I'll count. Just I'll count it wherever I go, whatever happens. I mean, <laughs> I'm not waving anything.
1: Well, Luke, you're you're superhuman. Okay. You don't you don't think like the rest of us, and those things don't happen to you like the rest of us. What if, I mean, like me, uh I mean, I'm just gonna go ahead and say it. I know we're live, but. You know, every once in a while those stomach will act up and I get the screaming bohemians. I mean, if I if I start the day with the screaming bohemians and I know that, hey, I'm not gonna be my best today, I'm liable will just tell them, hey, before anybody makes a run, I just want y'all to know <laughs> I'm out because there's a chance I won't even make the call for round three if I make it to round three. So I I'm just gonna wave this one today, boys. This is not this is not gonna be my best day. So, you know, I mean, us regular humans, we think like that.
0: Admittedly, Big Jed, I did not factor in the possibility of the screaming bohemians. Exactly. I might have have to take the over. (laughs)
1: Because you just never know. When you're over 50, you just never know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Let's shift gears on that note, Big Jed. Let's talk a little bit of Big Dollar Bracket Racing. As I've said before, what Peter Biondo and the Spring Fling staff are doing is pretty brilliant, because why else would we be talking about any Spring Fling event in mid-January? And yet here we are, the the Fling 48, the all-star 48 field that has been assembled or is currently being assembled uh, for the Fall Fling Columbus. We announced the initial 12 names, the the names that the Fling said these 12 are in. Um, Since we've last talked about it... um, they had the fan vote for the second 12. I'll just run through these names. These are the drivers that uh, were added to the field via fan vote. Gage Birch, Todd Piper, Steve Sisko, Jeremy York, Race Kid, Kyle Bigley, recent Potty Award winner, Kyle Bigley, Big Jed, Jordan Willis Parker, Robert Holton, Donovan Williams, Nick Folk, Shane Carr, Josh Baker. Those 12 join the original 12 uh, posted from the Spring Spring Fling staff to make the first half of this 48 car field. Initial thoughts, and I know this is a couple of weeks ago now, but initial thoughts on the 12 that got in via fan vote?
1: Well, again, as I stated on a post on Facebook, um, anytime you open up the floor for voting, whether it's in politics or racing or whatever, you open the door for some uh, odd things to happen, some some abnormal things to happen. How Champ didn't make the first twelve or the second twelve is one of the the craziest things that that'll ever happen in racing. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of names on this list that you go, oh, yeah, well, that's that's a home run, easy pick, no doubt. We knew they were going to make it. And there's some names that I'm like, do what? Uh, no offense to them. I'm sure they've got tremendous talent and a great following and, and deserve all the votes they got. But it just seemed real easy to me that that we would see, you know, like champ and maybe some others get some consideration. So the the list, while looking much like I thought it would, had some surprises in it, Luke. Um, so it's definitely gonna be very interesting to see who uh, got, who talked Champ into being their partner. Um, so congratulations to that racer, whomever that is. And certainly, you know, I'm, I'm enjoying uh, the The chatter online about you know people saying uh you know you got seventy five email addresses and all of them submitted a vote and it's cheating and I think Peter and and his group went through a lot of a uh, lot of trouble to make sure that didn't happen. We didn't get that that spam vote. So uh I think it was all legit how people some people got in. And you know,
0: are you saying of- that are you saying that Gage Birch had bots? <laughs>
1: Uh, Gage probably, uh, Gage probably got in, you know, as, as clean and, and fair as you could get in, uh, and could have possibly Gage to me, could have possibly been one of the first 12. I mean, the dude's that good. So, uh, mm-hmm. definitely no surprise there on some of the people, surprise on some of them, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's super interesting to me. And I'm, I'm really enjoying watching it all come together. And, and as we'll talk about in a little bit, watching the watching the teams be announced because some of them like, wow, okay, that's cool. Uh, And it's going to be a a tough team. So that's, uh, that's kind of my take on it, Luke. It's, it's not, I don't, I don't have any, um, any uh, shocking thoughts or anything like that, but
0: I was a little surprised. Specific to the, the fan vote. My assumption, and, and we talked about this at some point on a, on a previous episode, Jed, my assumption was that once the 24 were announced and and we got to picking teammates, that we would see some unfamiliar names, right? People that we didn't necessarily think would would be in that event, capable names, certainly, deserving probably on some level, but more unfamiliar, you know, local standouts. or or buddies that may not have had the the resume or the national notoriety to to earn a nomination, but that have the skills to win. I thought we'd see that when we got to picking individual teammates. I didn't really think we'd get much of that in the fan vote, And perhaps to your earlier point, Jed, I should have, right? And certainly, I I think it's fair to say that we did. And that's not to say, don't misconstrue what I'm saying. That's not to say that names like Uh, let's say Todd Piper or Jordan Willis Parker or or Robert Holden aren't capable or or don't belong in this event, aren't deserving. Like one of them may very well win. They can can do that. They're all capable of that. Um, But if we're basing this, like these 24 on strictly achievement, right? Resume, well, if you compare what those drivers were, basically any driver on this list to what champs put together, Steve McCrory, like it's not close, right? Everybody that, that made this race has won at a high level, certainly right. And are capable of doing it again, like champs won at the highest levels repeatedly. And it's not just him. Like I, I'm sure we could dig a little, he's the most obvious name that you just can't believe is not on this list, but there are plenty of other, you know, deserving racers that could probably be on here. But again. That doesn't mean that whoever's in this race is super capable of winning. And I think ultimately that adds intrigue around. Um, But it's just interesting to see like the fan vote and what goes into that. Now, the interesting part here is now, I think this is the funnest part of it all. Like those 24, they're all picking teammates. And some of this has been released. And we could just go through what's what's already been announced, right? They're working their way through the original 12. The first release was Scotty Richardson. Who'd Scotty pick? Big E, right? They're brothers again this week. They're on the team. We'll see if that lasts through September. No, I'm I'm joking a little bit. It's cool to see those two together and, and obviously a formidable team. Troy Williams Jr. picked up Lane Dickin as his teammate. He was one that uh, I think we had in our original 12. Big Jet are certainly debated on that. Uh, so certainly capable there. Uh, Corey Galitti picked up Caroline. Keep things happy at home. Good pick, Corey. Good call. And obviously Caroline, very capable as well. KB uh, teamed up with Doug Foley. That's going to be the Carolina connection. KB and two-seater. Matt Datis, sticking with the in-state. He's, he selected Chris Barris, as his teammate. That's Team Ohio, so obviously I can't root for them. <laughs> Jeff Serra picked up Jed Coughlin Jr. Uh, Jeggy is a, is a good pick anywhere. And then certainly you bring the race to Columbus and there's a little bit of home track advantage. Johnny Ezel has teamed up with Will Holloman and then yet to be announced from that initial 12. And I, by the time that you listen to this on Friday, these will probably all be posted. I don't believe they've been posted as of yet today. So we're waiting to see the teammate for Kyle Coltrera. We're waiting to see the teammate for Nick Hastings, Pe- Peeps Pennington, Gary Williams, and myself. I could let the cat out of the bag, but... Pete told us not to tell anybody, so I, I guess I'll let him make that announcement for me. And then, I, I my assumption is that once we get through this original dozen, then all of the fan vote will pick those 12 will pick their teammates and we'll see where it goes from there.
1: Yeah, so so very, very interesting stuff. This is this is where I'm just getting more and more intrigued by the day. You know, Scotty and Edmund, what a what a team. Uh, obviously, uh, Corey and Caroline, you know, they're 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 a team off the racetrack and a, they're going to be a team on the racetrack. Very cool. Both of them highly accomplished in their respective categories. So it's a perfect match. And on down the list, you know, and a little bit of a surprise. Uh, Jeff, Sarah and Jeggy. I, I didn't didn't really see that one coming. So what a great pick by Jeff Sarah. I think that's an incredible pick by him. Really good. and And uh, peeps picked his partner today Luke and I I, I forget who it was um Ray I Ray
0: just, I was actually it was Ray, it Ray Ray
1: yes oh yes because I remember us saying so so peeps obviously on the door car side and going to race one of those bad pennington roadsters on the door car side so that to me is very interesting because he's going to be the last racer that the door car guy wants to see because he's going to chase everything there and it's fast. It's dragster fast. So that's going to be very interesting. But to me so far, Troy and Lane, are you kidding me? And Troy with with the pick that forced him over to the door car side, which he's very versatile and he's capable, but he made a pick that pushed him to the door car side. So if I'm a door car guy, I'm like, crap, Troy was supposed to be, he was supposed to pick a door car guy and get on the other side where I didn't have to see him. So, you know, all of this is very intriguing, but Troy and Lane to me is a scary, good duo, scary, good duo. Uh, and and again, all of them very capable of of competing and winnings while they're on the list. But I just I, I, I'm finding these picks fascinating and you know I guess most of all I have to say job well done Peter. Uh <laughs> all this chatter about a race in September and it's January. Great job, brother. Very good job.
0: You bring up an interesting point too, Jed, because I mean we knew Scotty was going to the door car side. It's been several years really since I've even seen him in a dragster, but there Three names that jump out to me of the, maybe even four of the racers that have already named their teammate that could have gone to either side of this, right? Could have run the dragster side, could have run the door car side. I'll say three names. They all went to the door car side. Troy Williams Jr., Kevin Brannon, obviously could go either way. He's going to run the Monza, two-seater Doug and the dragster. And then um a Peeps, obviously swinging to the door car side. It's not good for me, Big Jed. With all the big names staying on the door car side. I don't own a dragster anymore. So I'll let that part out of the bag. I'm going door car side. Oh, oh
1: so you're picking a dragster racer. Okay, yeah, I'll have, I like I'll it. Have a, I'll,
0: have a, I'll have a dragster teammate. So yeah, like it's going to be it. fun. It's uh, They've definitely created buzz about this, created controversy. So yeah, hats off to Pete, I think is the, the main takeaway here. And I know it's still, what, eight months away? I'm as fired up about this race as I am anything all year. This is going to be awesome.
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's going to be so much fun to watch it play out and uh, certainly uh, to see the chatter that goes along with it that, you know, the, all the I told you so's and I, I knew they were going to win and I knew they wasn't going to win. And it's just it's going to be fun to watch it. And and again, I think uh, Peter's going to obviously he's he's trying to create a buzz for his event and, and his mission accomplished. But it's going to also break some new ground in in the world of big money bracket racing and and, and have, a, have a spotlight on something pretty darn special at the end of the day. So, you know, the competitors that are competing in it will have a significant investment and, you know, a lot on the line. But at the end of the day, it, it's got to be extra cool to compete in that shootout and, uh, you know, just looking forward to watching it.
0: Speaking of the world of big dollar bracket racing in 2023, Big Jed, it just, it dawned on me. These were were not particularly recent announcements, but when I zoomed out from a little bit, it it just dawned on me. There are five, five, Jed, events on the 2023 schedule that will guarantee $250,000 or more to win this season. So you've got the standbys, the races that we know are going to be there every year, the Spring Fling Million, the OG Million, which, as we've discussed, moves to St. Louis this fall. The undeterred but reformatted SFG 1.1 million, interesting structure, actually, when I was going through research for this was the first time I really paid attention to that flyer. They've raised the entry fee to $3,000, but guaranteed $250,000 to win, uh, would pay a million dollars to win with 375 entries, which... Seems realistic, given the the entries that we've seen, you know, in in, in recent events. Um, It will be interesting. Like I say, $250,000 to win guaranteed. Like they did have a guaranteed purse last year that that didn't make that. But it just, again, undeterred. We can talk a little bit more about SFG and and that format going forward. And then two events new to 2023, uh, our friends... Brit Cummings and Galen Rallison recently announced they will host the Great American 500K, which I haven't seen the details on, but I assume that's going to be a guaranteed $500,000 to win event in October in Montgomery on the date that has traditionally been the OG Million at the location that has traditionally held the OG Million. So Brilliant. Cool. It is smart. Yeah. Did we, did we say that? Didn't we say that was going to be a good idea for someone? Wonderful idea. And then number five... SFG Christmas million, basically taking the same format that I just discussed that they'll come to Martin, Michigan with in the summer and taking that now to Bradenton, Florida in December, exact same structure December in Bradenton. So OG million, Spring Fling million, SFG 1.1 million, SFG Christmas million, Great American 500K, that's one, two, three, four, yeah, five events in 2023, Big Jed, guaranteeing $250,000 to win or more, this feels like a conversation that we've had since we started the podcast, right? For five plus years, we see all of this come out. And every time we go, man, that's a lot, right? Can all of these races be successful? And to this point, with few exceptions, they all have been for five years. Can this trend continue? Will all of these races succeed? Oh, Luke,
1: the, you know, the, the pessimist in me says there's no way. Um, But, you know, I, I can't think like we think in the Pennington household, Uh, you know, we're a, we're a single income family and.
0: Hold on. Is this the Alabama Penningtons or the skinny Penningtons? Oh, it's the
1: Alabama ones. Yeah. The Skinningtons, the Skinningtons, they're fine. No worries. They can, they can do whatever they want to do when they want to do it. Um, You know, so I, 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 try not to think like like Big Jed's household and think, what, a million dollar race, you know, a couple of weeks before Christmas, it's gonna have a $3,000 entry fee. I mean, I can buy everybody's Christmas for three grand and and I'm good and then now uh, here I am gonna go spend it for the entry fee alone and a lot of people are going to double and like, where does the money come from? But you know what, Luke, I live in a world that I'm around a lot of very successful people that, are making a lot of great money and as i've said many times the big top bulb races are full of successful business owners in the pits that have the time available to go the money available to go for themselves and they bring along a couple of buddies sometimes and take a couple extra shots at it so uh i i don't see an end to the money uh you know the, the the industry that i serve every day the rental industry for construction equipment it it is very expensive world in terms of what is being built and the projects that, that we serve with our equipment and there's a lot of people making a lot of money so i'm going to say yeah yeah they're they're going to be successful because the lure of life-changing money will override better judgment good sense financial sense it'll override it for enough people that the ones that don't really have to worry about the money when you blend them together they're very successful and these races will probably be very good uh, in spite of you know how freaking expensive it is because it's it's going to it's going to cost a lot of money to go do this this year but there's going to be there's gonna be um, 60 entries that's at every one of them.
0: That yeah, I'd probably take the over on that.
1: Yeah. So, you know, that being said, and enough support around those ones that are doing all of them, I think they're gonna be just fine.
0: No, it's um there is a it's there's a part of me that says it is no there's a big part of me that says it is nonsensical to think that all of these will be successful but i've been saying that jed for 5 years and they've proven me wrong time and time again and i think i'm starting to wise up if i let me make the the argument for first off this year really unlike years past and i and maybe i don't know that we've had 5 of these in a calendar year before so i guess it, By nature, by definition, this is unlike years past. But these races are more spread out than ever, right? We've got the Spring Fling Million in April, the SFG uh, 1.1 in July. You've got the OG in September. You've got the the Great American in October, another SFG in December, right? So not significant overlap there. And while I realize there are obviously racers struggling in the current economy, to your earlier point, Jed, this market seems undeterred, right? And that's what we've seen for the last several years. And I've been saying for three, four, five years that you're not hearing me. Hello? I think that might be a you issue, Jed. Maybe? Luke, I
1: don't know what's going on. I. I can't hear you. I, can't, I don't know if you can hear me.
0: I can hear you. Okay. Can no one else hear me? This is this is the beauty of live podcasting. Paige, hey, Remark, can you let me know if I'm coming through at all?
1: Paige says she can hear both of us.
0: Oh, Okay, so it's a you issue, Jed. <laughs> I don't know. All right, well, I'll continue. And when you see my lips stop moving, you can chime in. How about that? So <laughs> okay. I both online. I've said for years that the more options that we have as racers, the more of us as racers will pick and choose. But that doesn't really show through in the turnouts. to your earlier point, Jed, there is a significant number. You said sixty. I think it's more entries that will be at all five of these. Like I don't, when I zoom out, I don't see a lot of the high-end racers picking and choosing. I see a lot of them going to every freaking one of these and the, the spring fling million, the OG million, they're unflappable at this point. Like they can't, I don't want to say they can't screw it up, but like, they'll be fine. I don't worry about those races at all. The SFG deal always feels like a question mark to me, but the SFG supporters have been super vigilant, right? Even through everything that that that, that series and, and promotion team has been through, like the people that love SFG just keep supporting it, right? And it keeps working. While the the great American um, 500K, that might seem like the new kid on the block. I think it's fair to say that Brit and Galen have rightfully earned a lot of equity within this customer base. Like they pulled off a guaranteed million twice, did great. Um, and it is the traditional date, the traditional location of the OG million and as plagued as that event has been at that location, the racers have never wavered in their support of it. So while I kind of shake my head and say, there's no way that our market can continue to support five of these events a year. and and I mean, just think about that, Jed, like if if I were to go by myself, right, one driver, one car, double entered at each of these events, I would spend, five events, I would spend $40,000 plus in entry fees and buybacks alone. But there will be several that do that, right? And as much as I say, man, that's crazy when I zoom out from it. If I take each event in a vacuum and say, well, will that event work at that location at that time of year? I say, yeah, it probably does. probably works. So my instinct, as much as it, no, my stance, as much as it might go against my instinct is to say, yeah, all five of these races will be largely successful. I still don't think you can hear me. So you've got this blank look on your face. I guess I'll finish this out.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, well, I'm I'm hearing you. I've got my phone turned up where I can hear you through my phone. So this is, this is a little bit weird here, but um, you know how you talk about the, the investment to go to all of them, uh, you know, that, that's a lot of money to me, but I've seen guys at the OG have that for their freaking tab at that one race. So, you know, reality is Luke, that's not a lot of money. To, to some people and a lot of people these days so that's going to allow these races to be successful because people are making a lot of money and they're doing very well and you know the the, the ones spending that let's let's say there's you know whatever we talked about 60 80 people that are going to spend that to attend them all there's going to be enough of them that hit that kind of money making a split here or there and maybe even three or four or five times that and at certain events so um you know they'll they will be successful because yeah there'll be enough people that can do it and then enough people that whether they can or not they're going to do it and they will be successful in, in spite of the financial sense that it makes and I'm fine with that. You know, they say you can't take it with you. Uh, I'm living by if you don't have any to take with you, you surely can't take it with you. But, um, you know, that's really all money is good for is to spend, enjoy your life, and, and do the things that you want to do. And if, you know, you you've got your finances in order and things are taken care of at the house and you got 40K to go spend chasing races, by God, go do it because uh, you only live once.
0: Speaking of forty thousand dollars, and we'll close the show with this. Did I did I catch this right, Big Jed? Steve Collier won forty thousand dollars at a slot car race over the weekend. Uh, I don't think I don't know that Bo Butner put this race on. He he hosted it. And Jed, I'll I'll let you talk because you're more connected to this world than I am. But as good as Steve Collier is behind the wheel of his S ten, which we we've we've sung his praises before he might be better at slot car racing. Like the little bit that I follow, he wins all the time. This event, well, again, outside of my world, this event had over a thousand entries, Jed. And I know that that's a little bit skewed because I think it's typical at these slot car events that one driver may have 20 plus entries, right? But that's still, it's a thousand entries in this thing. 40 grand to win a slot car. Talk Talk to me, Jed. Fill me in on what I don't know.
1: Yeah, so 1,004 entries, by the way, is a little delay between what's really happening and then my phone, so I apologize for the silence, but um, 1,004 entries, Luke, and 40k to win, and yeah, those drivers have, you know, 12, 15, 20 entries, whatever they have, but if you've never done this, this is not something that a good racer just goes and does and they're good at it, okay? <laughs> this is kind of leaving on green. As the green's coming on, you're you're hitting your trigger because these things move lightning fast. So you don't hit a traditional spot. Uh, you, you know, you gotta have good equipment dialed well and they go, you know, the race is over in less than a second. So, you know, it's like, <clears throat> And it's over, and you know, they rip the gas and do all kind of things. And they know when they hit the tree and when they, they're 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 superhuman, you know, as I said about you earlier, but you have to be just incredible with your hand-eye coordination to be good at this. And now you add that there's a thousand people or a thousand entries there, and you got all this sitting around, and you know, you come up every so often and this is grueling grueling and then you know you got Steve Collier this guy is fantastic on a racetrack talented dude but I truly believe just from what I know about this world and there's a lot of great ones that do what he does but I truly believe he's the best there is in slot car racing you know it he used to post a lot about yeah got him at the slot car track you know it's three three hundred and twenty dollars tonight and so on and so forth he doesn't do a lot of that posting anymore but the dude just want a 40k race playing with freaking toy cars that take one second or less to make their run down the racetrack and and again i, I can't stress how difficult it is to to be good in this world and you got to have some luck too, Steve. I tell you that much like real racing, but uh, really just a, an amazing accomplishment. And for a guy that left his career earlier this year to go big money bracket racing and Saturday night bracket racing, for him to hit the winner has to create a little bit of anxiety because you don't have racing that you can go collect a paycheck at. But when you're Steve Collier, it might have been. A welcome, you know, a welcome season. He's like, yes, it's finally slot car season where I wreck these fools and and win the, the you know, the the million dollar quarter slot car million, whatever it's called. But um, just a phenomenal accomplishment, and really happy for Steve and, you know, really cool to see people come together and create a thousand entries to to compete for this in a in a world that you know is just really small in comparison to to real racing and and what it takes to be competitive in real racing it's a fairly niche or niche as you would say market um and and you know they they've created something pretty special with this slot car million and and many other great events that they do throughout the the country so congratulations to steve and again uh really cool to see him get it done and I wish people understood how challenging it is because it just I did it one time and I run it up okay I will say that but I was terrible I just kept getting break after break after break I was terrible and I couldn't imagine how much time you got to put in to be as good as as the guys that do what Steve does so kudos to them. should I go on and wrap this thing up Luke? Okay man this is really weird me not being able to hear you I'm I'm, I'm struggling but you know we're live so we're making it work so appreciate everybody being patient with us but we're done Um, certainly uh, I think we had some great topics to talk about and uh, we appreciate the online chatter I know we talked a little bit about some of you and some we didn't Um, I can't remember uh, who it was. Oh, it was Tyler Wadarzik said, uh, "You know, with the with the trouble that I'm having, I should just waive this podcast and not claim it." So, I will. I'll make this my one non-claim podcast for 2023. But I, I think we made a run before I claimed it. But Tyler's the official, so he's going to allow it. Uh, thank you, Tyler. But uh, really weird. But thank you guys for being patient and and sticking with us through it. Uh, if you got something that you want to talk about certainly you you can comment here on this post you can make your own post on our facebook page but our facebook page is where you can do that and we love to to get the chatter and hear from you right there at the sportsman drag racing podcast facebook page go uh check us out there and uh the the page you're on now but check out the the opportunity to speak your mind or talk about whatever we've talked about or what you think we should talk about and if you don't want to do it for everybody to see Certainly, uh, send us a private message, and uh, producer Mark will intercept that and tell us uh, what's going on with you. Luke, d- is there any shouts? Uh, you just you're shaking his head no. So Luke is uh, not I, even. I, I thought anything. maybe the Screaming Bohemians would get a shout out, but
0: I couldn't <laughs> I will it, give yeah.
1: the Screaming Bohemians, Screaming Bohemians, a shout out. <laughs> this is so <laughs> weird. Guys, we're done. We're on Twitter. Luke is at Luke Bogacki, B-O-G-A-C-K-I. I can't even talk. I'm so messed up. I am at JP11X. Uh, remember, this podcast has been waived. This does not count towards our point total for the year. So uh, with all the failures within it, you know, we just decided we'll move on and uh, hopefully you do too. But uh, a lot of stuff happening in Sportsman Drag Racing. We're gonna keep you up to date on it and we can't wait to talk to you again real soon about more Sportsman Drag this.
0: Still can't hear me, huh? Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss or at least reference This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com.